I think the prices are becoming reasonable. But in the Boston market, you have to be creative. Yeah, you know, when I talked about the, the two family I just recently purchased, they were selling a two family. I was buying a two family with a lot. You know, it's very different. And, and that's where the value add came in on that deal that I could actually pay more for the deal and make it work. This is the Real Estate Addicts Podcast with your hosts, Ray Herto, HRV Homes. Dan Rubin, HRV Homes. Mark Svatsky, Choose Boston. And for episode 72, we have joining us in the studio. Jose Bellney, Winter Hill Homes. Live and in person. What's up? How are you guys doing? Hey, so just why we're here to talk about right. your fitness regimen. <laughs> I need help. This guy is jacked yeah. for those listening at home. Do not mess with him. What do you do for biceps? Curls for the girls. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Do you do a lot of squats though? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I, I, honestly, I don't, I don't do curls anymore. Cool. I got to work on my calves. I've been thinking about calf implants. Calves, huh? <laughs> implants. If the next, if the next project goes well, maybe I'll do some calf implants. That's only good for the summer. <laughs> One of these kids at school used to call me catastrophic calves. I had, I had big calves in high school, apparently for my age. <laughs> Can I call you that? Yeah. Anytime you want. I All love right. that name. Awesome. CC. Yeah. <laughs> so right before we were recording, we were talking about actually one of our former guests from Carrot, and uh, you actually use their platform, uh, not plugging them or anything, but you're telling us about kind of your success with it or some... Yeah, we're just jumping into some yeah. like SEO For stuff. those who SEO. missed episode 67, what the hell is Carrot? Oh, you even remember the episode number? Yeah. I wow. Made, I made that up. Oh. Uh, <laughs> SEO um, is a computer software program that basically for real estate investors or carrot is for real estate investors and they help you get rank higher on the webpage so you can get more leads through. Hopefully you get more appointments and close more deals. So someone searches like, I need to sell my home immediately. I'm getting divorced in South Boston. Your, your website will come up first. Well, not South Boston, but if you did some of them, I would because yeah. I don't really target South Boston. Yeah. Okay. But you're, yes, you're, you're absolutely correct. So sell my house fast, sell my house quick, sell my house that's in probate, stuff like that. I'm in financial duress and need to sell my house <laughs> immediately. Who should I call? <laughs> Went to Hill Homes. Yeah. There you go. So how, I know that like the, the big guys, like the We Buy Ugly Houses, they spend a ton of money on advertising, digital advertising and things like that. So how do you compete with them? Honestly, with SEO, they, they're going to beat you in PPC because they have more money than you. Pay-per-click? Yeah, pay-per-click. But SEO, then they should not. Or you, you have an advantage. Um, I call that, in my opinion, guerrilla warfare. You know, that's the only way as the little guys that we can compete similar to driving for dollars. So organic. Yes, organic, organic leads. So um, it's basically based off of, you know, content marketing. So you write a blog, your blog, Google likes your blog, Google likes your page, Google likes what you're putting on. They're going to rank you high and people are going to click on it. And the more content you put out there and the more people that see the content, obviously the higher you rank. Yes and no. So it's, it's also about quality. You have to have good quality content for, for it to work correctly. Everybody says that. What does that mean? Like, do you need to write articles about how to do certain things or can it be as basic as, you know, what's a home inspection? Like what kind of quality yeah, do define you quality, specifically? Because I, I hear that all the time. Clickbait. Oh, click, click <laughs> quality would mean basically that you, you have true content. Like if the content seems like <clears throat> it's coming from you or from somebody else. It's not copied from another page. It's not very similar from another page, even though it's the same topic. So you mentioned earlier, and I don't want to give away their trade secrets already. You mentioned that they provide 
pre-written content. So how, if you're using that content and someone else is using that content, how, is, how do you differentiate? You differentiate because you can edit it. You can change 40%, 20%, or 50% of the content. Gotcha. How to get catastrophic calves in 10 days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and host your own real estate podcast. So, so just to wrap up the, that topic. So how many leads are you typically getting per month from, from the site? I'm getting a few leads per month. I'm probably somewhere between, I would say about three, three to six leads. Okay. Yeah. So that's not bad, but honestly, that's part of it, getting people on your page, but that's not really where the magic happens. And my personal opinion, where the magic really happens is when you have testimonials um, from houses that you bought and from other people. So when people, when somebody comes in, they're looking for credibility. Do I trust Dan? Do I trust Mark? But if they look, oh, so-and-so said they bought this house and it was successful and they would love to work with him again, maybe I'll reach out to him. So you're going to convert a lot more. And when you get to that appointment, it's going to be, it's, it's like, it's really easy to really sell it because they already know everything about you. Sure. They already, and, and you can tell because they start telling you about your, your company more than you tell them about your company. Interesting. So you have like a whole bio and a picture and all that stuff. Make, them, make it feel real, right? Correct. Yeah. Correct. Interesting. That's pretty cool. And I believe they said in um, Carrot that most of the pages that are click is your testimonials is one of them and your bio. Yeah, because they want to learn about you mm. and see, like you said, if they're credible. Just piggybacking on Dan's question there. Are you willing to share like your cost per lead kind of numbers or cost per conversion? Like obviously three to six leads a week is great. How many of those are you, uh, sorry, month, how many of those are you converting? So right now I'm paying about $248 per month to to have all the websites that I have. I have the highest package. Um, I even got Carrot to redesign my page, but that is all I pay besides that. What I'm doing is that I'm changing the content. So that takes hours. But I, we recently hired an administrative person, and that will be her responsibility soon. Nice. nice. Congrats on that hire. Thank yeah. you. So speaking of bio, just why you were a firefighter, you went through Wentworth for a construction management degree. You are in the military. Correct. Marine Corps. God. Great. So tell us tell You guys us get more. all this from the website? Yeah. And, and he's got great biceps. <laughs> So tell us your background. Like, how did you get from being in the military to being a real estate developer? Yeah, back in um, 2004, um, I joined the Marine Corps. I was uh, military police. I went to Army SWAT school, Marine Corps SWAT school. After that, I, I was going to deploy. I did two tours in Iraq and one tour on ship with the Navy. We were chasing pirates. We ended up getting 32 pirates while we were out in sea. Wait. Can wow. You, Where? Tell Somali. Us- Smelly waters. What are these pirates like? <laughs> They're just like the movie. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's where I was going. Do they wear eye patches? <laughs> no, they do not wear eye patches. But I will tell you my favorite experience while I was there chasing pirates. We ended up getting a few pirates and it was very, very easy. And we, we came up on the ship and we said, why would you let this big American ship come and just, you know, come capture you? Yeah. And they said, honestly, we thought you were the French. <laughs> that's so oh my god do they crumble like they just, my friend's a da in new york and he says that like when he gets a white collar crime and he like closes the door the guys just break down in tears and confess everything but like a real like sometimes he gets with like hard and criminal and they're like fuck you you got nothing um what's a pirate like yeah pirates just like what you said they're not gonna they, they won't tell you anything they won't yeah. and where do they typically go they're going after container ships usually or Every, oil or everything 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 they're looking for easy targets and 
I mean, this is, I could ask a lot of questions about pirates. So <laughs> well, just, episode two. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's cool though. So transitioning from there and thank you. We appreciate the service. How did you get to the real estate? Let's Well, then you became that. a Let's firefighter, right? Well, sorry. The next step in your journey. After? Correct. After the Marine Corps, I became a sum of a firefighter. And at that time I was renting and I had a big H2 Hummer. And I said, and I had nowhere to, nowhere to park my H2 Hummer. <laughs> and I asked my friend, I said, hey, what am I going to do with this issue? They won't let me park in the driveway. There was no cars in there. And my friend says, hey, whoever has the gold makes the rules. Yeah. I said, are you saying I should buy a house? And he goes, not exactly, but that's how I saw it. And that really um, was the path that started me into, into real estate. From that time on, I was averaging 10 open houses. I was taking, you know, the real estate course. I was... I was learning everything I can. When I was at the firehouse, I was asking other firefighters that bought more than one house. And I said, how do you guys do it? And then they were explaining it to me. To By the time that I bought my first house, this was November in 2010, what I was able to do is I was able to get the city of Somerville to pay towards my closing cost, 5000 I was able to get the lender to pay 5000 towards my closing and I was able to get, um, Obama was having something for the militaries at that time. And he also paid, the government paid um, 8000 So all in, I bought that house with only 3000 down. It's amazing. It's awesome. It was a single family, two family? It's a two family in Somerville. You still own it? I do. Next to the green line. There you go. There you go. Are they doing the first time home buyer thing now? The 15K? Is that, is that passed? Do you know? Wasn't that Biden's thing? Don't know. Getting to current know. day? No. I'll do some research, follow up. So, so you bought the two family, and I, I assume you lived in in a unit and you rented it. Correct. I was I was house hacking at that time, and then I realized that I couldn't buy any more real estate in Boston because it's expensive, and that took me to Springfield, Massachusetts, where I ended up growing up my portfolio to thirty units. Nice. And I set sold everything and brought everything in house. How did how'd that go? So you started buying up Springfield, and then um, held it for a little while, sold the portfolio. You do well in that. Yes, absolutely. Um, I pretty much, you know, anytime, like I would sell two or three or 10 mm-hmm. units and then I'd get a two or three family in the Boston area. Nice. I've, I've heard some folks who have gone to like, let's call them like very emerging neighborhoods and uh, maybe less than excited with the returns, like just sort of flat. The, the, the investment hypothesis was like, well, it can't get much cheaper than this. It's got to get more expensive. And fast forward 10 years and it was still pretty goddamn cheap. Did you man- Sorry, did you manage yeah. everything yourself? No, um, I, I did not manage. I had a property manager and Mark, you are absolutely correct. Yeah. Um, it's not always as good as it sounds. And what I found is because I was not managing, you know, a lot of my expenses were going towards managing and repairs. So you really did not get the return. Like people talk about Boston having a low cap rate. I would rather have a low cap rate and it be able to manage in-house mm-hmm. here. Yeah. Yeah. You're, uh, you're, the quality of tenant uh, is not going to be as high. Absolutely. So construction though, you're a construction professional, uh, degree in construction management from Wentworth. Did this come later in life? Like have you always had an interest in, in building? Tell us about that kind of part of the journey. 2016, I, I started to do more construction, more of my own projects. And one just went terrible. And I said, I need to figure this out. And I said, if I'm going to learn, I'm going to learn from the best. And I decided to, you know, to go to Wentworth. I was going for, um, sort of, they had a certification program for construction. And when after going through that process, they said, hey, you know, if you go to the bachelor's program, we'll knock out two classes. And I said, perfect. You know, so I signed up for that. And I was, I, I was, I was enjoying it. 
And then one day it just came to my conclusion that, you know, Wentworth is not teaching me how to rehab two and three families. They're teaching me how to build skyscrapers. Right. And that's really where the mindset shift happened. And I saw the potential was through the roof because, you know, as you guys know, in real estate, everybody says, you know, the, the most important thing is how much you bought it for. You know, that's where you make your money. But the problem is what happens when you can't control the construction? You lose all that money. Yeah. You can turn a good deal bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I think there's also a, a bit of built-in margin if you're going to GCA it yourself. If you were otherwise going to pay someone 12% to manage the project, you know, a bad deal or a marginal deal, you at least get that bit of buffer. Yeah. Or, or you pay yourself a PM fee or something out of it. Yeah. Absolutely. But I think the biggest benefit when you GC your own projects is nobody cares about your project more than you do. And I remember being at Wentworth and I was taking surveying and I was getting frustrated. It was a very difficult class. And I asked the teacher, I said, why do I need to learn this? I'm just going to hire somebody to do it. He goes, you understand some of these guys graduate with C's, right? And, you know, that's when the light bulb really clicked. Like, I better know my stuff. Yeah, D's get degrees. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But, uh, yeah, it's like Dr. Seuss. Uh, unless somebody like you cares a whole awful lot, nothing's going to get better. <laughs> it's just not, you know. It's true. You walk by a trash can on your job site and it's overflowing. Yeah. Unless you're going to grab it and take care of it and set the example. Do you allow to talk about Dr. Gonna... Seuss anymore? Is that, is <laughs> he's, not oh canceled? he's not canceled. <laughs> Green, green eggs and ham. I'll so that first time home buyer credit is 15K. It is eligible. And right. uh, it is for people who make no more than 160% of AMI and they purchase, haven't owned or purchased a house in the past three years. And what's so AMI? Area medium income. So you'll have to check your local boards for those numbers. I don't know right. where you find it. <laughs> and if you're in the market for private money, uh, our sponsor, Dave Grossman and the Grossman Companies, great guys. We're happy to make an introduction loan at uh, pretty attractive rates and really good, good group to work with. They can move quick. Yeah. They can move quick on deals. Move quick, no bureaucracy, no red tape. And, and uh, they can handle small deals, large deals. Bingo. Yep. Yeah. So, so let us know. Yep. With that, how do, how do they reach out to us? Do we have like an official email or is it just through our IG still? IG. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Message us on real estate addicts, Instagram or HRV homes or choose Boston, but uh slight digression and, and back to the show. So Wentworth, teaching you to build skyscrapers. You feel like people ask me this a lot. Like, did you learn a lot in school that was practical and applicable to your day to day? Or how do you view your, the, the education that you sort of paid for? I think um, if you just have been trained in a field and you have no school schooling behind it, vice versa, it's really not going to work. It kind of works better when together because, you know, the schoolhouse, everything's perfect. Nothing goes wrong. Mm-hmm. But when things start going wrong, you have to figure out how to make it work. But at least you have that background to start off. You know, when it comes to construction, you really have three things. I call it, you know, the estimating, you have the finance part, and you have the scheduling. And if you don't have all three tight, it doesn't matter. You can have the best estimate. Your scheduling goes out the window. So does everything else. I think that's, that's, that's true. It's sort of like a filing cabinet is how I look at it. It's like I might not... I'm very, I pick up things quicker for having that uh, four years of education. It's like, I didn't learn everything, but at least it's a way to organize new information as it comes and sort of have a baseline of understanding to build upon. It's like, it's like being a conductor of a musical group, right? And you really, for the scheduling side of things, you have to have everything lined up and one small delay. And this is the biggest problem. One small delay from one sub can then snowball and hurt everybody else because, you know, you're trying to respect everybody else's time while you're getting everything lined up. You don't want to have dormant days where nothing's happening on site, but you also 
don't want to have guys piled on top of each other on the job site. So you really have to kind of oh, we're synchronize talking, we're them all together. schedule now as a GC? <laughs> Guess so. No, yeah. I, I, I totally agree, but it's, it's also going to Wentworth. It had opened up a lot of doors. It yeah. got me to talk to the right people and them actually, you know, giving me their time and saying, Hey, you know, you have made it this far. You know, I can at least give you an hour or two to explain how to get to the next level. And that has been a huge, huge shift in my career when you can have somebody's cell phone you can just say, I got this problem right now. And they can, they can really sit down and really answer those questions. So do you go, after you graduated, did you get your, you got your CSL? I had it before. Oh, you had it before? Yes. Nice. So that has parlayed into what are you doing now? Now, um, Winter Hill Homes, where, where we started off in Somerville, but we're really, really, really focused in Roxbury at this time. And I just, just because of, that's where I live, my, my wife said, you're not staying in Somerville, you're coming <laughs> to Roxbury. And I lost that that's battle. That's usually how it works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so we're in Roxbury um, right now. What we have going on, we're also in Dorchester. we got a few projects in Dorchester. We have one that's coming up, uh, 14 Alaska. That's going to be a seven-unit project. We're going we're gonna to rehab two units and add on five. So I'm really excited about that project. Um, two weeks ago, we bought one on uh, Forest Street, and it's a two-family. And by right, I can put another two, four, another two units on there. But we're gonna actually going to try to go and get four more units as rentals. How has the um, entitlement process been for you thus far? Honestly, it's, my opinion, it's not too bad. And the reason why I say that is after going through Iraq, it's... You know, this is, uh, <laughs> no. it's all relative. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a little bit worse. That's no. right. It's always painful, but you just, if you want that number of units or you want that deal to go right, you have to go through it. And I feel like in this market right now, people are putting a premium on that. That's way too high. On the selling unentitled or selling entitled? Selling entitled. Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, it, it's skeptical. a process to go through. It's so you have to go on, on buying entitled stuff? Yeah. My first question is always, what's wrong with the deal? Like if just why he's selling a deal, I'm like, well, why isn't he building it? Is leave, you're leaving money on the table and there's always some story, but I'm always, you know, a little cynical. So Mark's not buying entitled. I'll, I'll look at anything but. Well, the problem I find when you buy deals is that it wasn't your architect, you know, mm-hmm. it wasn't your state, your surveyor. And that's always the challenging part. But once you get out of the ground, it's, it kind of doesn't work. Yeah, but about sometimes that. wouldn't you rather save the headache and hassle? If the numbers work, then, you know, yeah. you save at least a year of your time, potentially, yeah. depending on the size of the deal. But it depends on the premium. Oh, absolutely. Right. It's all numbers. Short aside, my buddy purchased an entitled deal. And the architect for the guy who sold it to him said, I have the license to these drawings. It's my intellectual property and um, sort of held him hostage, sort of like a pirate. (laughs) (laughs) I think he wanted 20 grand for the drawings and quickly relented to 10. But uh, my friend David ended up paying the 10. And Mm -hmm. uh, so so the lesson here is as you are purchasing the drawings or you're making an offer for an entitled deal, include in the firm remarks, consent from a design team for sale of property and transfer of drawings to me. Good to that's know. A, that's very good to know. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely correct. We have a very similar situation where the deal, the project is pretty much already designed by the architect. It was it already went up. It was supposed to get approved, but it didn't get approved because they sold it in between. Long story short. And the the surveyor, um, he wanted us to just to do another plot plan, the engineer, to do another plot plan. They wanted to charge us, even though they already had a plot plan, just so we can just so we can add the water line to sewage. And I was like, why am I paying you extra for work you already did in your CAD system? But you're right. They keep you hostage. Yeah. 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 
So we fired him. <laughs> nice. Stick it to Good. him. Good. Good. Yeah. Sometimes they need a little humility. So do you have, so are you doing straight development or you said you were doing some apartment rentals as well? Correct. Um, I, my focus is, or should I say Winter Hill Homes, focus is at this time is, you know, construction. We look at it. Construction is our vehicle. Generational wealth is our destination. So I, I like I like developing. I like being able to 20 years, 30 years, drive by my projects. But what at the end of the day, I'm looking at how many units can I build in the quality of units too. You know, we, we don't want to be McDonald's. We would rather be Del Frisco's. Though McDonald's was a great real estate business. A very good real <laughs> not estate a business. McDon- not a hamburger business. The founder. Have you watched the movie? It's a good movie. Well, who gives you better service? Uh, exactly. Not McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> so Faster you, service, though. <laughs> so, so you quickly went from me to Winter Hill Homes. Are, are there any other partners or members of the company? Right now, we just um, we recently hired an administrative person. Um, she's being onboarded at this time, and we look forward to continuing to grow the team further. So you and just you and her? Correct. You were looking at some different softwares. We were chatting as you walked in um, for development. Uh, you looked at Builder Trend, Procore, maybe. And what, where, what did you settle on, and what were you looking for in that sort of technology suite? Yeah, I think that that field is is a strange field because I, I feel like everything is really overpriced for what they do, especially when you can do most of it on Excel. Yeah, and, and so it's kind of like you have to pick your battle. Like, okay, when am I paying too much for something I can just do myself? Mm-hmm. And I have seen investors where it's it's overkill for what they're trying to do. So they double everything. So they still do it on Excel and they do it on the software. Oh. I feel that some of the software too is geared more towards GCs or yes. like large shops and they're not really investor developer focused. Correct. Yeah, like um, design build firms. Exactly. Yeah. Correct. Like build a trend to have a great interface. But it's unless you have clients, it's it's use it's not useful. And we, we, we use Builder Trend for like what? Uh, yeah, almost two well, years. Well, we instead of having an owner's portal, we just called it the investor portal. So for yeah, but like investors. there are so many aspects of the, you're paying a lot of money, and there were so many aspects of the platform that we didn't even use or didn't Correct. need to use. We we just literally just use it as a, as a a project management tool, and I could easily just pay Microsoft like ten bucks a month or less for Microsoft Project, you know. So. I just don't know. What yeah. did, so what did you end up settling on? No, I, I'm, um, I'm currently using a, a different software called Contractor Foreman. It's not, it's not very popular, but it works for what I'm trying to do, you know, help my, my scheduling, my estimating, um, everything, everything and above. And I think that for me, for where my company is right now, it's going to be the best one. I feel that when I start going more into like government contracting, because that's where the goal is to eventually have an arm in that, we're going to have to start learning at least to use Procore because a lot of contractors in that world use it. So you're using it to build schedules. You write everything down for your subs and try to like hold to a, uh, a certain baseline? Correct. So we, we call it more like a guideline. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason why that is, is because we're, we're still figuring out, okay, what's the best way to do it? If I do a schedule, let's say for a two family today, and then I'm going to do another two family three months from now, I can just copy and paste Mm. and I can change to where it needs to be and how it's going to be different. So definitely right now, we don't have enough data to to be concrete yet. Do you guys build schedules prior to start of a development project? Sometimes. That's what we were using Builder Trend for. And then Dan was looking at MS Project, but the the, the copy paste thing is very true. But I feel like everything that we've done, it's always been sort of something slightly different, or we're going to try doing the order a little differently. So, well, I think that it, it where it helps if you're doing one project at a time, I, I don't know if it's necessarily worth it. Yeah. But 
where it helped us was when we had like four or five projects going at once. And it definitely helped. It helped us see where we were in the project and it helped me foresee like, all right, I know that I'm ready to board and plaster in three weeks. Mm -hmm. So I call my board and plaster and be like, put me on the schedule. I'll Mm -hmm. be ready for you in three weeks. So it kind of helped me with the that, that scheduling aspect of it. So I feel that I feel that if you're looking to scale, it definitely is helpful. I don't, if you're doing one-off projects, I don't, I think you, you, if you have a good enough sense of when things need to be done at what point, I'd say you're, you probably don't need it. Yeah. The, no. the other nice thing was like, you could go in and, and since everything was tied together, you could kind of try to project, project like an end date when you get your CO. I know that's still kind of a moving target a lot of the times, but that was helpful for like pre-sales. Yeah. You can see, you can see timelines shift. Yeah. I think the the biggest thing when it comes to this, at least the scheduling part of it is like when you say when you're doing multiple projects is you need to know when you're going to be short on money and when you're going to have a lot of money and when you can overlap it and really see, okay, what's going on this week. That's when you know you're, how you're going to be, because you can't grow without the financing, but some days, you know, a wise person once told me, if you're going to be a real estate developer, you have to understand you're going to be poor one day mm-hmm. and you're going to be rich the next yeah. day. And it, it's just the way we live. Yeah. Call that a uh, cost-loaded schedule. Yeah. But, yeah, well, you can, if you, you, can if you are interested that. in that, <laughs> yeah. we have a spreadsheet Dude. that we've created. And where would one go to find this? Realestateanalyzers.com. Podcast is a bunch of advertisements, sponsorship <laughs> hacks. <laughs> you kind of surprised me there. I didn't think we were going to announce that yet there. Well, we, well, I know we're out anyway. We plugged. I have been fortunate enough to actually look at it. And, and I actually, I, lo- I loved it. You know, I took some parts from it. And I said, you know what? This makes sense. I can see why they think this way. Is and the reason why I say that is because I see you guys more like real estate investors, and you know, and from understanding from like hardcore GC from like Wentworth, and I kind of been able to mesh the two and and build it to what I need for my company. So where do you see yourself going? What's next? We're gonna continue to do bigger projects. I think the the doors are just starting to open. Like I said, uh, my biggest project is going to be the seven-unit project we're starting. Um, I'm ne- negotiating a possible being part of 28-unit project in, in Roxbury. So I think there's a lot of growth potential, but I, I really think the reason why that growth potential is, if you look in the real estate investing industry, there's not too many people that are really GCs. It's more like, you know, finance guys, you know, no offense to you, Northeastern guys. But <laughs> there's, a, there's, a, there's, there's more finance guys in that industry than there is like Wentworth um, contractor guys. I don't have a financing degree, so I don't care. <laughs> I'm, I'm the one with the business thing. But. <laughs> Spreadsheet man. How are you financing your deals? Uh, everything. Um, hard money. Um, I actually got an argument with a hard money guy because I, I don't understand this logic. Because in what I mean by that is where we bought a project and we just bought the land for two hundred thousand, and we had to put twenty percent down. That's forty thousand. And when I and when I, and then you go to interest rates four percent. We go to hard money and they saying, okay, well, we want, you know, 10% on the acquisition and on the construction budget. And I'm like, that's 30, 40,000 more down. And you guys have higher interest rate. Why would I do that? So for some reason, I think they just haven't caught on to that or just maybe they're just not comfortable with it yet. I'll take, uh, so we had finance, Doug Landry from Finance Boston, and I was kind of complaining about banks and how they kind of want your firstborn child. And he sort of defended him. He said, like banks are um, lending you money at a very, very low interest rate. They're in first position if something goes bad. But the guy behind them, i.e. Your, your hard money lender, your private lender, he's got even less collateral behind him. So he needs to have something to back up his, um, so thus the down payment to give him a little bit more cushion. 
And it's most of the time, it's not even him. It's his, like it's the right. investors that he's brought on. I think it's like there's yeah. a minimum spread that has to be made. Yeah. yeah. I think maybe the issue is the fact that most investors, when they start off, they can't get bank finance. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I have been able to build those relationships so that I'm at the point now I can get bank financing. For sure. So, so it's almost like, especially when there's so many deals, I'm looking at, you know, three to four deals a week at this point. And I can say, okay, well, if the deal doesn't work with a bank, I don't want it. Yeah. You're doing... Um a lot of renovation work or you have in the past and you're starting a few projects that are ground out new, new builds. Have you started foundation work yet? What's uh, any lessons learned t- to date? I actually, honestly, I, I love the dirt. Yeah. Um, I really, I really like the, um, the serving and, and understanding that part, but we haven't found too many, too many issues. Um, I know some people like, Oh, you know, the, the wall's too far on the left or mm-hmm. too far on the right. And they had issues with that. You know, like you, you never know what's inside the dirt. We had mm-hmm. chimneys, we had tires, we had everything up and above, but any treasure. No, no treasure, no, no treasure. Never safe no, any treasure. No, no, no bodies, Time no nothing. capsules, <laughs> dinosaur bones. No. Didn't some, I thought I heard somebody found something when they were doing that. They found like actual human remains and they had to shut their project down. Oh yeah. That happens. It's crazy. Yeah. The reason why I love new construction is because you know, it's behind the walls. So you rather do ground up than, than renovations? Isn't the cost parity kind of getting there too? It's the, the cost delta is really not that much versus like going into the ground, building new versus ripping something existing down and then having to do additions and all this other stuff. Do you find your cost per foot being much different? Yeah. And, I, and if you have enough data, you, you know what the, what the build is going to be. And you can start a new rehab of a three family and it have structural issues and that's 50,000 or, or, you know, you have plumbing or whatever the issue is or, it's just, you know what the costs are where, you know, everything's a question mark when it, when it comes to a rehab. Tell us your worst nightmare from a rehab that has happened. <laughs> contractor. <laughs> Hence why I'm a, why I'm a contractor. What, ha- what you happened? Know, what you know, you like um, a lot of people don't know this, but um, the reason why they call GCs is because they're buying by contract. And I did not have a contract. And even when you do go to court, you usually don't get your money back. So I lost about 25000 through that process, but it was the best 25000 I ever lost because, you know, obviously it pushed me to go to Wentworth and improve my skills and get better. What was the, what was the basis of the dispute? Not coming back. So this individual, what he was doing is he used to have um, multiple two belts. So he would leave a two belt at your job site, make you think he's coming back, but he's really not coming back. Huh. And then he would leave another two belt at somebody else's house uh-huh. <laughs> until you start like really like meeting the other people that he worked with. And, and they said the same exact thing and they left the two belt at their house too. I wonder if this guy had three families too. <laughs> two <laughs> no. different wives in different states. No, no. Little sociopath. <laughs> Crazy. Can we go back to the lender side real quick? Uh, I'm just curious. So how have you seen the lending world change and evolve as we've gone through COVID? Are you, did you have any issues or have to kind of like put up a higher loan to value kind of when you're acquiring something? Have you seen lending, I guess, have you seen lending standards tighten and then reloosen? Have you had any changes on your end or has it all been good? No, honestly, um, uh, I have a partner. So he takes care of most of the finance and he's been doing it for 20, 30 years at this point. So he has a lot of strong relationships. So that really didn't affect us. But in this marketplace right now, what I see the biggest difference is the higher interest rates when you go to buy a property, like a buy and hold. And, you know, you're seeing interest rates at like 4.7. You know, I saw that uh, with the with the new administration, um, with the Trump administration leaving, you know, Fannie Mae and, you know, Freddie Mac, what they're trying to do now. They, spo- I guess, supposed to have only 7% um, of um, inventory for, you know, for the secondary homes and, 
and, and rental units. And so what they're doing is they're hiring up, they're increasing the interest rate. But the first time home buyers are, are going to be winning because the interest rates are still in the twos. Yeah, so commercial much higher than residential. Yeah, stuff. so if you're yeah. selling product, it, it's good for you. If you're trying to buy, buy and hold, it's not so much. Nice. Tough. It's very competitive outright. I okay. think on the residential side, the half a point emergency fee or whatever is gone. So I think you're going to see rates go down a little more already. Yeah. No, I'm just saying it's just so competitive to find anything good these days. It's just... I agree. But I think, um, like like I said, um, being a contractor, I'm seeing more more people bringing me deals, especially for, for new construction. And, you know, honestly, I don't do a lot of marketing. Um, I used to use Beast Mode and I actually stopped because I was like, I, I don't, I'm never going to use this thing. What was and that? Beast Mode was like a, C, it was a CRM system. Okay. Okay. So it had like, um, you know, drip campaigns. Um, it had RVMs already built into it. So you just press the button and, and, it, and it did its magic. But now I'm getting so many leads, especially for new construction, because most people are still afraid to do the new construction or they, because once you do one or two, you, you can really do it. But until that point, you really can't. So I'm getting, I'm definitely getting a lot of leads like that way. But we Where just, they, sorry, sorry, are the leads coming from other developers, other agents, agents mostly yeah, agents, mostly, mostly agents. Yeah. Interesting. And are you seeing prices becoming more reasonable or I feel like just sellers or just want so much? Absolutely. Um, I think um, the, the prices are becoming reasonable, but in the Boston market, you have to be creative. Yeah, you know, when I talked about the, the two family I just recently purchased, you know, they were selling, they were, they were selling a two family. I was buying a two family with a lot, you know, it's very different. And, and that's where the value add came in on that deal that I could actually pay more for the deal and make it work. Are you buying stuff contingent? Um, sometimes, sometimes not. It, it really, it really varies. It really depends. But every project that I look at, I, I get the details and I, and, I, and I look to look a little deeper. And I'm still learning. My partner is teaching me a lot through that process. And I'll give you an example. We had, uh, we recently do, we're doing a two family now and it's about 900 square feet per unit. And the new project that we have, we bought it at 210,000 and he's looking at it and he goes, hmm, you know, if we, if we built this out as one bedroom, we'll make more money. And I said, that, that's impossible. How is that possible? And the reason why that worked is because the buildable costs went down when we changed the, when we changed the, the layout of the house. But also, too, when we looked on MLS and we looked at the demand for that area, it was more one bedrooms. So really understanding of what you have and what's the best use and not being emotional about it and just letting the numbers really speak for themselves. Run the numbers. Yep. Run the numbers. It's all about the numbers, in my opinion. <laughs> numbers don't lie. Although, you can build a spreadsheet to say anything you want. <laughs> Hips don't well, lie. Well, yes. You can enter <laughs> anything and make it look good, but it needs to be real. You know, we talk about this a lot. Yeah. It's like, there's some, I remember being in college, some economics professor, like there's a theorem that some brilliant person put together to prove why bumblebees can't fly because of their body weight, their aerodynamic, this, but like, obviously bees can fly. <laughs> so <laughs> the, the point is like, you can you know, always massage yeah, something to make it look yeah. good. Yeah, I think we've all been guilty of that, right? Like you kind of want a deal and you just keep manipulating the spreadsheet to like, see, it does make sense. I'm buying it. <laughs> So a, sh a shitty deal, we'll just call a bumblebee. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever done that though? Like no, kind of looked I, at a deal I, and I, be yes. like, ah, I think I can do better here. No, wait, wait, wait. Sales will be better than that. And you're like, no, uh, I think I can tweak the construction yeah. costs save yeah. a little bit. You know, sometimes it works, but you know when it works is when the market just moves under your feet. That's the, that's the like variable that I'm never quite comfortable with. 
scary. Plenty of guys do it though. It's like, oh, I won't be on market for another 24 months. And in that time, we'll keep ticking up 6% a year. And geez, good luck. It's worked. And then you're sitting in a global pandemic. Yeah. Although real estate's never been better, even in that example. (laughs) So it seems like, you know, obviously being on on the web is uh, important. And I don't know if you do any like social media or any other networking. The web. The web. My dad calls it the web. Networking, getting your name out there. I mean, you did mention you're getting kind of a lot of leads from others just because you're out there. So, I mean, that's obviously important for lead generation and building your brand, I assume. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Branding is very important. Just like I said about when we first started this conversation with with SEO, it's all branding. You know, um, I'm I'm currently working right now with with uh, with somebody to design a logo. Um, I'm I'm gonna I decided I'm gonna start my own meetup group. Oh, nice! And um, the first thing that um, she said was why why is because I feel that right now I don't have enough time to give to other people that want my time and build my company because the time that I give to people is taken away from my company at this time and taken away from my family. It's hard. You only have so many hours in the day. So what are you thinking for, for a meetup? Because usually most of them are after hours. Are you thinking like maybe something during the day or? No, I think I'm going to still do um, after hours, either, you know, maybe a Tuesday night or a Thursday night somewhere that has good parking, good food, good vibe. But the, the thing that I loved about working with the person with the logo is the first thing she said, who's your competition? Which I don't really see too many people as competition. And she's like, okay, well, what colors are they using? And she's like, okay, we won't use their colors. So it's just really understanding how much branding really matters. And that's when you realize you hired the right person, when they're diving in deep and trying to figure out. Because once you have a brand and once you have a logo, you can't change that. I mean, you could rebrand, but do you really want to? I always think about that. Like Choose Boston was something I came up with when I was like 24. And it was something completely different. I think I was trying to think, I was thinking about building a real estate brokerage. Kind of a funny name for a development. I mean, we chose HRV Homes because it was like our both of our last names, but yeah. then everyone thinks we're like human resources. <laughs> yeah. So or heat recovery ventilation. Yeah. Or it's just original. Yeah. No, we're actually HR Ventures LLC, but that is completely not marketable. So we just go by HRV Homes. Well, I'm in a similar boat. You know, my company's Winter Hill Homes, and we're in Roxbury now. So <laughs> <laughs> that's true. You're not in Somerville there, Winter Hill. <laughs> <laughs> I've told this story in the pod before. They changed it like Fort Hill Homes. Yeah. <laughs> Any Hill Homes. <laughs> the, the biggest you site. You have a hill we're building. <laughs> site and utility contractor in Connecticut, Sean's Lawns. Gigantic, multi-million dollars a year. <laughs> no. Same, yeah, same story. I think he was literally just cut. He was cutting people's lawns in high school. And he's like, that's running in my company. And he subsequently owns, you know, 300 machines. <laughs> that's amazing. That's great. I love so, that. Yeah. All right, cool. Should we move into over, under, appropriately rated? Yeah, if you can say it right. Overrated. (laughs) Overrated. Underrated. Oh, I was just shortening it, but now we've completely obliterated the time savings. Oh, God. You know, trying to respect some time here, you know? Dan Rubin, will you start it off? Sure. Tattoos. Underrated. Why? Women love tattoos. Good answer. (laughs) (laughs) My next question for you is uh, joining the military. Join the military, I think it's underrated. And the reason why, I mean, you learn so much. The skills that I have learned mm-hmm. through the process has made me who I am today. It's really what Winter Hill Homes is about is because we're guerrilla warfare. You know, we're not going to, we can't, we're not the size yet to compete with the, with the bigger guys. But what we can do is, you know, things like driving for dollars. 
we we can do we can do SEO. And you know, when when I first started in this business, I realized you know dub, having a W two was a benefit. You know, I could get a, a a lot of loans where Mark might have to put down twenty percent, mm-hmm. and I could put three point five percent down. So I just try to figure out ways to make my company work smarter, not harder. And I really learned those tactics from the Marine Corps. Things like negotiating. I went to a course by General Mattis. I don't know if you know who General Mattis. Mad Dog. Yes, Mad Dog. Yes, he created he created a course. And basically what he said is that Marines need to need to go back to being Marines and that Marines are hunters. So the course was called uh, Combat Hunters Course. And when in that course, it was interesting because my whole Marine Corps career, it was they were, taught, they were teaching me how to how to fight for like the first three years. And I go to this course and it was like the complete opposite. They were teaching us more about like body language and understanding people and how, you know, having dinner with somebody, how it changes the dynamics and just being very nice and how you can get more from being nice than, than trying to attack your opponent. Huh. Very counterintuitive from coming from a Marine. And I, and I appreciate it. It's all about it. building rapport. Yeah. It's all about building rapport and, and figuring out that if I make, if I give you what you want, I probably end up going to get what I want. You it's know? The same, and it's, yeah. Same thing in the field when you're running a job site. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. If if your subs are not happy, your project's not happy. No, that's that's a whole episode. Unless you <laughs> unless you have episode. a belt dropper, <laughs> in which case you're yeah. definitely allowed to be not nice. Oh, absolutely. Um, Rinko also has no better friend, no worse enemy. Yeah. What's that? We say more. What's that? No better friend, no worse enemy. Meaning that if you're a friend to me, uh, I'm gonna give you my shirt. I'm gonna give you whatever that you need. If you're my enemy, God bless you. <laughs> I, I, it's hundred percent. All right, Hummer EV, huh. underrated. Yeah, underrated. You gonna get one? No, I'm, I'm not gonna get one. Uh, I'm a pickup truck guy now, but I, I still love my H2. I love all H2s, but no, I'm not getting anyone. Brokerage, as in like a side business for Skip a me. for a developer. Um, it depends how you look at it. So for for me, my company, you know, most people don't even know the name of my brokerage. And I do that purposely. And just because of branding, you know, I want Winter Hill Homes brand to keep going up and up and up. But what I am able to do as a brokerage, I'm able to buy property on MLS and make a fee off being my own buyer or my own seller for that mm-hmm. matter. But what I was able to do is because I don't spend any marketing dollars, that means the profit I do make, I can push it back into the construction company. Do you ever get pushback on that? I don't. No, I do no. not. I do not. I just, I just put it at the bottom and say nothing. Just that's it. <laughs> We've gotten pushback. You get pushback, Mark, ever? Yeah, I, I rare on a competitive bid situation. I rarely use my own. Yeah, take the two and a half percent that I would be duly entitled. It's just not worth it. You have to weigh it out. You have to see how they feel about it. And if sometimes some people are like, "Hey, are you expecting to make commission?" And then you then you have that conversation depending on where it's going to be. You know, obviously, I'm not going to lose a deal over two point five if it already makes sense. Right. I agree. Section 8 housing or low-income housing? I think it's underrated. And and the reason why I feel like in this market with COVID, you need to have a a healthy batch because I'm on both sides. You know, I have Section 8 housing and and I have young professionals in Somerville. It's a good mix. So you don't, you never know when the market's going to shift. You never know what's going to, what the demand is going to be. And sometimes Section 8 pays more than, than, you know, young professionals. Absolutely. Helps diversify. Exactly. Because I don't diversify as far as location. I have a rule. I only buy within six miles from my house. If you sent me a deal from Rosendale, I'm like, I don't know how to get there. <laughs> That's funny. Makes no, sense, like, though. we got a call that the fence blew over on uh, midnight on Saturday. 
an inspectional service was on site. You know how miserable that would be if it was two hours away? It was like six minutes away. And uh, so pick up the fence and go back to sleep. Exactly. And I, I believe my goal is eventually to have enough property on Sunday morning. I can have hot coffee. I can drive by every property and the coffee's still hot. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, if you have enough properties at some point, no matter how close they are, if you have, your, your I mean, if you have a Yeti, then it will stay hot for a while. That's true. And those are underrated. A lot of times. Very, under, very underrated. Yeah. Yeah. I do buy houses on the same street. Yeah. That's intentionally nice, yeah. To, be, yeah. nice yeah. to be your own a butter. Well, I mean, that makes sense, right? Because, well, yes, that's a good point. But also you don't want to be driving all over the Sometimes place. Sometimes it makes sense to be your own butter. <laughs> Depends on what your <laughs> strategy <laughs> is. What? Inside joke. Yeah. Okay. All right. Any last ones? Like arbitrary, just underwriting rules, using them as kind of hard and fast, like I, the 2% rule or anything like that when buying a property. Overrated, underrated? I think I really think it's underrated. I mean, it's a good guideline, but you really can't use that because every situation is different. It's like snowflakes. And you just have to really dive in deep. And this is like artwork to, for me. You know, all four of us can look at a deal and we're all going to come up with a different conclusion. It's great. I think it's a good place to leave it on. Just, just way. Really appreciate you uh, joining us today. This has been an awesome conversation. Yeah, appreciate it. Folks want to find out more, connect with you, learn about your your meetup group, learn about how to fight pirates. How can they do that? <laughs> Instagram. Instagram is Jose underscore Winterhill underscore Holmes underscore. Awesome. Excellent. Well, thank you everyone for for listening, rating, reviewing, and uh, for sharing the podcast. Thanks also to the Grossman Companies for being our sponsor. And uh, we will catch you guys on the next one. Later. See ya. Cheers.